Canine Nation eBooks are now available. The first two volumes, Dogs As They Are and Teaching Dogs Effective Learning, are available in bookstores now. More on how you can get them at the end of this podcast. Welcome to Canine Nation Audio Edition. It's Monday, July 15th, 2013. Canine Nation is a regular feature column that runs on the Life as a Human online magazine. Life as a Human features articles about what it means to be human, the good, the bad, and the enlightening. This column explores what it means to be human in our relationship with dogs. You can find it at lifeasahuman.com. To get directly to Canine Nation, go to caninenation.lifeasahuman.com. A complete archive of all the Canine Nation articles can be found there. Hi, I'm Eric Brad. Canine Nation is about learning, understanding, and living successfully with our dogs. Modern animal training techniques based on behavioral science can produce amazing results in working with our dogs. Whether your dog is a loved family member or a working dog, a canine athlete, or a trusted companion, Positive training techniques based on science can help you enjoy a more productive and fun relationship with your dog. Join us as we explore the many facets of living with our dogs and taking a fresh look at how we work with them. Whether it's taking a closer look at everyday issues we share with our dogs or busting long-standing myths about training and dog behavior, I hope you find something useful in each of the Canine Nation articles. We're glad you're with us. Now here's this week's installment. Dogs in the Crossfire I often surf the web to find interesting sites about dogs and dog training. This week, I stumbled on a site that began with a statement about dog training that was so audacious that I had to stop and read it several times to be sure I had read it correctly. The author states, and I quote, Let me start off by saying that all of the different dog training methods you've heard about fit into one of two categories. There are only two methods in the whole world, and they are all positive and balanced. Unquote. The sheer magnitude of this oversimplification stunned me. I had to walk away from the laptop and get myself another coffee before continuing my day. There are only two methods of dog training in the world? My first question is which world? It certainly can't be the one in which I live. Although things would be so much easier if that were true, it just isn't. What troubles me about statements like the one I've just read is not how inaccurate they may be. What troubles me is that dog trainers feel the need to reduce dogs and training to such simple terms in the first place. There is a war of words out there in the dog world, and the unfortunate casualties are the dogs, not the humans. It seems that, like many things in our 21st century society, we are being asked to choose a side. Who are you for, or who are you against? Often, training discussions get more caught up in who is right and who is wrong than whether the training does the best job for the dog. When it comes to training and working with our dogs, this kind of polarizing argument can have unfortunate consequences for the dogs that get caught in the middle. 
The quote I read earlier claims that the two sides at odds in the world of dog training are all positive and balanced training. I have read a great deal about dogs and dog training. I'm a certified professional dog trainer. In all my reading on dogs and training, I have not come upon any training that identifies itself with the label all positive dog training. By contrast, I see any number of sources claiming to use balanced training with dogs. Here I find the opposite problem. I found such a wide variety of definitions for balanced dog training that I wrote an entire article about it to try and figure out what trainers meant by balanced. It turns out that most of them don't agree on the same meaning and many actually conflict with each other. The war of words is escalating. There are exaggerations and questionable claims from both the force-free training community and the traditional compulsion trainers. This is not just unfortunate, it's dangerous. The dogs get caught in the shuffling of training and training methods as owners move from one solution to another. A dog can easily end up confused and act out. Many of the dogs will end up in shelters. Some won't survive to be rehomed. The terms dog trainers use to help a dog owner can do the most damage. Here are some examples. Correction. This is certainly one of the most commonly used terms in the dog training world, and yet it is rarely used to describe what the word actually means. If we correct something, it is assumed that something has gone wrong and we are bringing it back to being right again. When compulsion trainers talk about correcting a dog, what they mean is using some kind of physical or verbal intervention to stop a dog from doing something unwanted. But where is the correction? Yes, it tells the dog that they are doing something wrong, but it tells them nothing about what to do right instead. A yank of the leash, a poke in the side, a loud hay are all described as corrections, but these actually function as a reprimand to stop an unwanted behavior. You aren't correcting anything. You are stopping or reprimanding unwanted behavior. But correction sounds much more productive than reprimand when we are working with dogs, even if it's very inaccurate. Abuse. This is one getting thrown around a lot in the force-free training community these days. It has been used to describe everything from the use of shock collars and pain-based training methods to slip collars and feeding the wrong kind of dog food. That's a pretty broad spectrum for such a highly charged word. The use of the term abuse seems to be based on what the speaker believes about a particular technique, training philosophy, or piece of equipment, rather than the actual living conditions of a particular dog. For example, prong and shock collars are sold by the thousands each year, and yet physical injuries from these devices make up only a small fraction of cases that come through the average veterinary practice. This is not to endorse their use, but simply to point out that just putting a device on a dog should not, in itself, constitute abuse unless using that device is shown to have caused harm to that particular dog. Abuse is an act, not an idea. Killing with Kindness Lately, compulsion trainers have been making claims that using food treats to reward a dog for behaviors can lead to any number of unfortunate consequences. 
They claim that food rewards can end up killing dogs by creating food aggression or being too permissive and having to surrender an unruly dog to his shelter to be euthanized. The science behind the use of rewards to reinforce behavior is backed up by over 70 years of data, both in psychology labs and in the real world. Reward training has been used successfully with hundreds of species living in zoos and the pets we keep in our homes. If the use of rewards in training were as dangerous as claimed by some, marine mammal trainers would have abandoned it decades ago. Instead, aquariums and wild animal parks routinely use rewards to train everything from rhinos to sharks to killer whales to tigers. The claim that dog owners are killing their dogs with kindness by using food treats in training is utter nonsense, and yet the claims are made over and over again with no proof. Dominance World-renowned wolf researcher Dr. David Meech is largely responsible for the term alpha wolf. He now says he regrets using alpha to describe the breeding pair in a wolf pack. The dog world, for whatever reason, latched onto this concept of alpha and dominance in their efforts to explain dog behavior and justify a variety of training methods. The science and contemporary literature on dogs and their ethology has proven that the dominance model does not apply to dogs, either in domestic situations or living on their own in feral communities. But the words dominant, dominance, pack, and alpha remain trigger words that are sure to spike lively and, at times, less than civilized debates among dog trainers. The use of any of these words can get the speaker labeled as old school or as a trainer who has little regard for our modern understanding of dogs, a trainer who prefers brute force to establish themselves as the alpha. Used in the proper context, these terms can have some meaning regarding dogs and behavior, but we struggle in our efforts to redefine and reuse them. All too often, the force-free community finds what they feel are incorrect applications of these words. They can look too closely and start fights where there is little or no disagreement. There are dog owners out there that need help with their dogs. Some just need a little coaching. Others are learning how to live with dogs for the first time. Many will turn to dog training professionals. It can be daunting for the average dog owner to venture online looking for answers. There are opinions and counter-opinions about treats or no treats, prong collars or no-pull harnesses, abusive or too permissive. There is nothing like a good argument to increase that sense of solidarity with those who share our own opinions, and nothing that seems quite so noble as trying to right a terrible wrong. But can we, as dog training professionals, get so caught up in that war of ideology that we lose the very audience that we are trying to serve? What about trying to help the dogs? Helping dog owners provide the best, most healthy and successful life for their dogs should be the priority, not which side you are on or who is right and who is wrong. I'm quite sure that this piece will have all the effect of holding up a hand to stop the wind for all the difference it will make in the greater debates raging in the dog world. But my advice to dog owners is that you should meet the dogs of potential dog training professionals, or at least dogs that they have helped to train, Decide for yourself if these are the kinds of dogs you want to live with yourself. 
You don't need to get caught up in the war of words and the ideology of it all. Meet the dogs. They will tell you all you need to know. Until next time, have fun with your dogs. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Canine Nation. You can find the text version of it at caninenation.lifeisahuman.com. Teaching Dogs Effective Learning is the second Canine Nation ebook to be released. It is a collection of essays from the Life as a Human online magazine on how we train and teach our dogs and what we can learn in the process. The book includes introductory notes for each essay, as well as two essays written specifically for this book. Also available is the first Canine Nation ebook, Dogs as They Are, a look at what our dogs are, where they have come from, and how they adapt to our lives. Both books are available in the Canine Nation store in Kindle format, EPUB format for iPads, Kobo, Nook, and other e-readers, or a special PDF edition formatted for instructors that includes licensing for reprints for students. Just go to caninenation.ca and click on the store link at the top of the page. You can also find Canine Nation eBooks in the Amazon store, on Apple iTunes, at booktango.com, and other online booksellers. You can join our discussion about dogs and dog training on Facebook. Just search for Canine Nation to get to our group. You can ask for membership, and we'll add you to our growing family. If you can spread the word about the podcast or link to our caninenation.lifeisahuman.com page, we would certainly appreciate it. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. <laughs>